Welcome, listeners. Another episode of Unverified Accounts for you. I'm Chris here with Liza and Philip. What's up, everyone? Hello. Hello. So we are on the eve of Thanksgiving recording. Any plans, you guys? None. Just up watching movies. We don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Oh, oh really? That's right. No turkey. Mm-hmm. No all that Mm-mm. stuff. American Mm-mm. stuff. No. What about Black no, Friday? You gonna go shopping? No. <laughs> <laughs> on- online shopping? Probably not. Oh. There's nothing. I there's like no. Like, it's really only worth it if you want something, like, big ticket, right? Like, a couch or, like, a big screen TV. TV, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's something... I don't need any of that stuff, so I don't know. I've only participated in one Black Friday, like, event. And this was when I was still living in Philly. Uh, What did you buy? I didn't buy anything, but uh, I think my my ex, who was uh, visiting me, just wanted to experience it. So we went all the way out to King of Prussia, which is a a town outside of Philly. has this Mm -hmm. huge mall. Yeah, yeah. So we hopped on a a bus at, like... A little past midnight and it it takes you there and it's the weirdest experience because like half the mall is closed because not all the shops are open so if you if you've ever played something like left for dead or seen any zombie (laughs) movies you know there's always the derelict mall of course and uh, that's what it felt like and we didn't buy anything but it It was a fun experience but uh, i think it's it's too chaotic and i don't want like a big tv anyway so what's what's the big deal for what what are you what are you you doing chris for thanksgiving you doing anything uh, my brother's inviting a couple of people over, so hey, you, um, you, uh, you know, uh, health police people. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> creating a super spreader event. Just a couple of people. I'm roasting pork and making some like collard greens. I'm Tume. Uh, our our friend shared his recipe with me. Oh, nice. So I'm gonna make that as well with some other side dishes. That's cool. Um, well, I, I'm obviously up here in Canada, so we already did our Thanksgiving a month ago. Um, but usually around this time of year, we do a, like a Friendsgiving, like around American Thanksgiving, we just do like a friends get together for a potluck. Um, that's but a cultural this, imperialism for you right there. That's right, from Canada. Um, but we can't do that this year. So what, what we're doing instead is we're doing like a secret Santa Friendsgiving where we have people randomly assigned to us and we're going to like order takeout for people like in yeah, secret. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's a really fun idea. Should be good. Should yeah. be good. Tip nicely, everyone. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so it's uh, we we're a little late with this episode, but it's because we wanted to wait until Hillbilly Elegy came out, which uh, it came out yesterday. We're gonna talk about that later. But whole bunch of stuff, uh, stupid stuff happened on the internet, which we obviously must comment on, or else we will die. So let's start off with something that happened earlier in the week, got everyone's attention. Uh, Obama's autobiography, autobiography. Why am I not able to pronounce this word? His memoir. memoir. Just say memoir. His memoir. <laughs> okay, memoir. Like, where's the, the stress land. on the syllable? Uh, yeah. His memoir uh, comes out. And there's this passage in it where he talks about when he was a college a freshman, a sophomore. He would take all these uh, lofty political and philosophical classes, mainly because he wanted to hit on the hot girls in there and stirred up some mini controversy. People accused him of being a pickup artist. Uh, what, what were you guys' takes when you read that? This would have been in the, what, 70s? When he was, I think um, so, yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Because I know Michelle Obama went to Princeton in like the late 70s, and that was when they first uh, let women in. Obama's around the same age, so I think, yeah, it would have been the late 70s. Yeah, because he was, he was quoting like, you know, like leftist luminaries, like reading Marx and shit like that, right? The kind of stuff you hear about people doing today, but back then. So it's just kind of funny to think about, like, what were they, like, was it, like, did all the hot girls go to those classes back then? Was that, is that, has that always been the case? <laughs> there, there will always be hot girls in every class. So I don't think it's, um, that, but I think it was around that time. It is the 70s. So, you know, everyone's in like a revolutionary mood. Mm-hmm. So it was probably the thing to do back then. 
He's getting like cooked on the timeline on Twitter today because he was on the Breakfast Club this morning. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of stuff in that book that uh, is is. I mean, this is like one of the least controversial things he could yeah. have written because this is like he's a. It would have been weird if he didn't do that. This is what every college person, guy or girl, straight, gay, lesbian, whatever. This is what everyone does. They try to does. impress the opposite sex, you know, right. just whoever and- their <laughs> object of desire through is. intellectualism. But but he admitted yeah. to it. That's the thing. He wrote he wrote it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure. It's because they take it. They take issue with like the most. I don't know. Just the the kind like the from the whole book, which is supposed to tackle like the massive failures of his presidency. Like that's what they took issue with. Yeah. No, they took. I mean, these people took issue with like people took issue with serious stuff in this memoir, like how he was like, "Oh, I never had any joy in like ordering people assassinated or drone strikes or what." You know, like he he got grilled for that. Good to know that you didn't get joy from it, but um. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of obvious, right? This this one was just a little bit out of um, uh, left field, pun not intended. And I thought it was so funny that they accused him of being like a pickup artist because. (laughs) Okay, so what did he do? He read books. And tried to get girls to basically just talk to him. And when they didn't, he became their friend. Like, how toxic. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, is, who is accusing him of this? Like, what was uh, the, I don't the know. The, you know, the usual, like, blue checks and blue check wannabe type of people on Twitter. Mm. If you but they any love crime, Obama. Yeah, and maybe that's why they were so upset. Like, Obama, how could you? We thought you were one of the good ones. Um <laughs> But the funniest thing, I, if there's anything he should be criticized for, is he had some really everything else, like his entire well, presidency. No, no, I, <laughs> no, but I mean, within that passage, he has some really cringy uh, language. Uh, the ethereal bisexual is the one that um, really people have latched on to. Right? He's like a long-legged socialist. He, he just reminds me of like a <laughs> kind of like the, the, the guy in like eleventh grade English class who thinks he's a good writer and, and he uses <laughs> you know big words and and lyrical language what he thinks is lyrical and i guess none of the editors had the guts to be like brock this is fucking lame (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that's what he should be excoriated for do you know if that uh, memoir was ghost written or did he actually write it it was no no no, i'm sure he wrote wrote it it. i'm sure he wrote it (laughs) he's a good writer so it's not like he read it i mean the thing about obama uh i think what he really wants to be as a writer because if you i forgot which one it was i don't know if it was dreams from my father or audacity of hope but he talks about being in college you read all of his books well, he only has two, and no, yeah. he has three now. <laughs> well, I, I'm not gonna. I'm probably not gonna read the latest one, but I did read his uh, other two books. And there's a part in it where he's in college, and he's just like kind of like living a monk's life. And his friends are like, "I thought he was doing research to to write short stories about, I guess, his life experience." And mm-hmm. just from the way he acts, like the way he's so uh, concerned about culture, you know, that's why he's like he's like making Netflix stuff. Uh, Michelle mm-hmm. has a podcast. I'm sure Barack's going to have his own podcast soon. I, th- I think he's really a writer and, and politics was his way of more like a detour to becoming um, what, what he is now to have the relevance to write tons of memoirs. So I have no doubt he wrote it himself because he is a good writer. And that is, I think, his true passion. I mean, he's just getting in trouble all over the place this week. He went on The Breakfast Club this morning and made a bunch of people pissed off again. <laughs> Yeah, several years ago, I read My Life by Bill Clinton. Like this was like when I was, I think, I think this was when I was like a middle school. All right, so cut me some slack. All right, um, when I was really young, I only remember two things from that book. One, uh, his family life was pretty fucked up. His his mom was like absent a lot of the time, and she like dated like drunk 
dudes who would like always beat them both up and stuff. And secondly, Bill Clinton's favorite pickup line was he would go to like a girl he was interested in who was reading a book and he'd be like, oh yeah, I love that book. And they would talk about it. That's the only two things I remember. Credit where credit's due. Wow. Clinton is way sleazier than Obama. <laughs> but that's a, that's a good pickup line for, so for all you, everyone, you know, guy or girl or, or anyone who wants to find a way to break the ice, I think that's a great way to break the ice. Yes, you have right. to be able to talk about it though. Like wasn't yeah. one of Bill Clinton's, <laughs> like, hard yeah. part of his charisma <laughs> was that he could talk about literally any topic, like Make that up was, shit just by looking at the cover and not actually yeah, have read the book. Yeah. He, he could just like ascertain stuff just from like all these little cute clues. Most people can't do that. <laughs> you know, he'd be so convincing. He could convince you that the story you read is actually he, the opposite of what you actually read. Like you're reading like Madame Bovary and be like, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a happy story where Emma Bovary lives happily ever after with her, with her Prince Charming. <laughs> <laughs> and he would convince you of that. Um, all right. So moving on to other dumb internet stuff. Uh, Hassan Minaj recently started trending again apparently this clip was quite old it's like a year old from a vanity fair thing so it's not like he did the one where he was asked about dax shepherd yeah it's the one where he's like hooked up to the lie detector like moses lack and who killed mr burns um or who shot (laughs) mr burns mr burns doesn't die and he gets questioned about how hot do you think or like how would you rate dax shepherd and he says like a (laughs) 6.57 and then he goes on this uh i think very long repressed tirade about how if you're like a schlubby average white dude, you're still considered as hot, if not hotter than a than a really hot uh, minority guy. Mm-hmm. And how even the Dax Shepherds <clears throat> and and the Zach Brofs and and whatever will always have more opportunities than uh, Hassan Minaj or other people he named like Idris Elba and Daniel Day Kim and and people like that. And then this went kind of a viral when as soon as I saw that, I I knew there was going to be an attempt to cancel him. Mainly because why? I, why did you think that? Yeah, I'm I'm curious because I this. thought he the the issue he highlighted, which was essentially the col- problems of men of color, was in, inevitably going to bring a backlash from women of color about being like this is, you know, like if, as much as you suffer, it's your sisters who suffer the you know intersectional du- duality of being both minority no, it's and just, women. It's, just, it's the same shit as a John Cho like saying like his son's going to have a hard time as an Asian man. Yeah, exactly, okay. and then. Right on time, just yesterday, somebody uh, published a piece um, in on Medium about how Patriot Act, San Minaj's now canceled show, uh, was not a great place to work for and how all these women of color did all the work, but he took all the credit and so forth. What do they hope to accomplish, though? Uh, I, that's a great question, Liza. I think it's just, I think there's just like a, a natural instinct of resentment and jealousy when, when they see somebody within their own community of the opposite gender do well because it's the timing is like the timing is like kind of weird because it's like how long have you guys been sitting on this information when like the show's been canceled for a few months now Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's he doing like the the timing of that article is obviously in response to his vanity fair thing because he trended but like Mm -hmm. the the article had nothing to do with the thing he talked about. <laughs> no, it's about it barely had anything to do with him. All the allegations are very vague. I don't doubt it was a toxic place to work at. A lot sure. of these, like, all, I, it'd be weird if it wasn't actually. Like, all these comedy shows, high stress, high, just like, a, you know, people lose their tempers because it is very, you know, it's, it's a pressure filled environment. Uh, but it, it never accused him specifically of anything. It, it reminded me of, remember when they said Bernie's campaign was sexist because some staffer in Iowa did this or that and, and Bernie should have, I guess, executed him on the spot or something. <laughs> uh, and it's just like guilt by association, by association, by association. And 
yeah, Eliza, as you said, what do they hope to accomplish? I think it's just like a like a just a reaction. Like like they just need to get it out because they just hate it seeing. It seems this. so. There there seemed to be so much bitterness in their in their comments because it's like, what do they want? Like a stress free workplace where they get to be the stars just because they're Indian like him. It's I don't think it's fair to put different expectations on him just because you share a similar ethnic identities. Like none of these accusations are as bad as like working at American Apparel or like the Today Show with mm-hmm. Matt Lauer. Oh yeah. You no, know, I mean, it just sounds yeah, very much like Hassan yeah. isn't allowed to be famous unless I get to be famous too. Exactly. Or at least uh, an Indian woman is also allowed to become famous because I, I think they identify very strongly with their race and gender, but they have this insecurity, which I think is supported by the fact that in this system, it is very zero sum. They can yeah, only have one Indian uh, in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, so it's either going to be a man or a woman. And uh, as soon as, if it's a man, they're going to get famous. And I don't know, they'll, they'll like, they'll get to speak, they'll have they'll get to speak their piece and you won't get your say. So it just becomes very competitive. So you're saying token, tokenism is still a thing, is basically what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and they're operating in this environment. So I think it's not baseless for them to fear that, okay, so if Hassan Minaj is in the spotlight, that's it for us Indians. And we just have to hope that he, and, and like Hassan Minaj is, is like, he's married to an Indian woman. He, he's, he's woke. very pro, he's very pro, uh, not just Indian, but like pro brown folks, pro Asian. Like he's exactly. So he he's is, not light skinned either. He's like, yeah, he's brown. not light skinned. Nope. He's Muslim. Pretty good so looking. He's, not, he's not like the big bad Hindu Indian. Uh, so he is almost, almost as perfect as you can get. And yet they still come after him. So these people can never be satisfied. Speaking of people who can't be satisfied, what about Sia? Oh, this, uh, this, this dumb shittery. Uh, so people who don't know, apparently she has this new movie coming out on Netflix called Music, I believe. The main character is Based uh, on autistic. a friend of hers. Oh, is it? I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are upset because the actress herself is an autistic. Mm-hmm. And to see his credit, uh, she went on Twitter and really, she pulled like a John Boyega and when she starts like, you know, replying to all the fans and haters, <laughs> which I, I kind of admired her for <laughs> doing, that. even though... The better, wise thing is probably just to ignore these people, just for her yeah, own mental health. Yeah, because there's no winning. Yeah. Right, but I mean, we were talking about this. Just like, okay, t- if if you take this to its logical conclusion, there's so many movies that if they were made today could not be made because the actors didn't have like the same, you know, conditions as the characters they played. So it's called acting. Right, right. It was uh, never supposed to be demanded anyway. I mean, yeah, we're not so, we're not race bending here, right? Yeah. So like. I don't know. I, I mean, like, I thought Dustin Hoffman did a really good job playing Rain Man. And I think that someone who someone who was actually diagnosed with that degree of autism, I think that they would have had like, you know, I think that the demands of making a movie of carrying a movie like that, I think that it would have been difficult. Well, that's a good question. Did, did autistic people uh, criticize her or was it just like people? The yeah, there was one. <laughs> okay, I th- uh, Philip, you told me about this though. I think I think Sia stepped over line on this one. It was still f- kind of funny though, where I think it was uh, a direct uh, actor who had who was autistic or something saying like I I like I was available and I could have auditioned, but I didn't get it. Or maybe she did audition and then Sia just like, well, maybe you're just a bad actor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, you're you're a big, powerful celebrity. You don't really need to stoop to that level, you know. But she's not that. She probably she's not that lost powerful. her she... temper. I mean, she probably lost her temper at that point. Like, who knows how much abuse she's getting? Who wouldn't though? You put all this hard work into it, yeah. and and as she said, she consulted, did consult with a lot of people mm-hmm. and all that. But 
she's probably thinking the same thing that I always think whenever something like this happens. It's like, why am I singled out? Why is this one sing? Why is this movie singled out? Like they didn't have, they never have a problem when like British or Australian people play Americans or like when like <laughs> even like British people play Australians or like Australians play British people. Um, I don't know. Just like, like how many, <laughs> how many times, how many times have, has like a British person put on like a Southern accent to be in an American movie? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Tom Holland has gotten so much praise for, the devil all the time yeah like i don't understand what's the difference yeah and i, and I was just thinking of, of movies like say a star is born bradley cooper not uh not you know like a horrible a mess of an alcoholic yeah i, I th- actually uh, think he's a pretty good musician um i think that's but one he's thing not that- a musician before the movie right didn't he learn to play the guitar for the movie Oh, I thought he was one of those actors who who kind of has like a moonlight. Or am I a, thinking of somebody else who actually had to learn to play the piano for their movie? Or oh, like Tom Hulse and Amadeus. Uh, Tom Hulse, uh, I'm sure, is not a musical genius yet. He played the musical genius of all time. You know, the, what about all the all the Juilliard? <laughs> no, but those are. Play? I mean, but the thing is, this is like you know, people who are autistic are in a. I don't want to say protected group, but like they have a disability, right? Like they're they're trying to talk. They're talking about like majority versus minority. And people yeah. who well, Jamie Foxx not blind yet played Ray Charles. That would, probably, I guess, I don't know. If that I, I, would but fly you know, we all, we all understand that like those critiques are just heightened these days, right? In the age of PC, you know, cancel culture, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So I'm but, speculating if if they did make that today, would Jamie Foxx be able to play Ray Charles? And I, I think no. I think people would get upset about that. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. It's who they single out to get upset about which leads us to our next topic hillbilly elegy yeah so hillbilly elegy came out yesterday we all took a watch uh so i'm interested in what you guys thought about the movie you guys know my stance i mean i was tweeting about it all night i I lost a bunch of followers oh no (laughs) (laughs) all right liza why don't you share share your thoughts so hillbilly is written by this guy named jd vance who liberals absolutely hate because he's a conservative um you know, I, I don't have a problem with a conservative perspective, though. Like, it's still, I understand that, like, it's not um, representative of the whole region, but it's like the perspective still belongs to somebody. And I guarantee there's lots of people who do agree with him. But, like, the movie isn't even, it doesn't have, it doesn't take a political stance. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's really elitist and it's narcissistic for liberals to expect a guy like JD who comes from that region to attend Yale and to come out more like them, like an enlightened liberal Mm -hmm, than mm -hmm. as a conservative. You know, I think that seems to be like the big issue here. It's like, Hey, wait a minute. Like you, you attended like our school, you have like the same pedigree as we do now. And now you work for a think tank in, in DC and you know, you're, you're pretty high profile. You're a venture capitalist. And it's like, how come you're not like us? Mm-hmm. Why? Why aren't you like? Why don't you play for our team, the Democrats? Yeah. Well, so when you when you talk about the uh, like the liberal pushback to JD Vance as a person, are you talking about reviews of the book and the movie, or are you talking about like other stuff they said about him in the news? Uh, I'm specifically referring to the film reviews. Okay. Because it has like a an unbelievable like 25% on Rotten Tomatoes but it has like mm-hmm. an 89% audience score. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Philip, what were your thoughts? Uh like I, I bring up the review thing because I think it was it's relevant to 
Um, it's a bit relevant to how I feel about the movie too, but it's also relevant to like my question about Hillbilly Elegy, which is what does it mean that the people who get to end up writing the reviews about this movie, you know, like in the <clears throat> Hollywood Reporter and the Atlantic and the New Yorker, New York Times and so on, they're they're precisely the people like the Yaleys and the Harvard folks who kind of get implicated in the opening dinner scene, right? Like the liberal elites who go to these fancy schools and end up getting these nice jobs and so on. Yeah, Philip, why um, don't you describe that scene for people who haven't seen the movie? So yeah, what's going it, on? It, so so JD Vance, um, you know, this this movie takes place in a bunch of different time ages, but he he's like in in uh, grad school now in law school, and he's uh, on Yale campus in New Haven, Connecticut, and he's going to this dinner. Um, I I assume it's I don't like they don't they give you some context, but like I assume it's like a dinner that's like held by one or more law firms where the partners in these law firms come to meet and greet with like future potential interns, people who are interviewing with them. Yeah. Um, and he uh, ends up going through a bunch of like, you know, mishaps where he like doesn't know like which fork to use on, you know, on, on the, at the dinner, like uh, at the dinner placement, like which is this, you know, which is the soup spoon and so on. Yeah, it's um, basically talks- Leo on the Titanic is some much less charming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like, there's also a scene later on where he's talking to his, his girlfriend and, like, he's pronouncing, uh, I forgot what the word was, but, like, he's pronouncing some word with, like, a southern drawl and she doesn't quite understand. Syrup. 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 syrup that's right. Syrup. He pronounced right? it syrup. And, and she's open to, she's, like, thinks it's cute and stuff, but, like, it, it definitely tries, the movie throughout the movie depicts his older self as being, like, a little bit of a fish out of water, you know? Like, he's coming into this, like, sophisticated fancy rich world of like Yale folks and lawyers where he, he, his background, his, you know, his, his origin story is from like um, the Appalachian area, right. Uh, with the hillbilly family. Um, but it, that, that whole dynamic is interesting to me because the people who he's kind of like implicating is a little bit kind of, um, you know, bigoted towards uh, folks from the South are Precisely the people who had to review this movie. No one else, like no one from the South gets to fucking review this movie in any capacity that gets read or whatever, seen by the public, right? And I think that that aspect of it leads to all these issues, including the issue of this Appalachian Reckoning book that was written, right? Which was a bunch of essays of people from the region who responded to his original book. Um, and I totally wow, get it. book uh, spawned an entire anti-book? Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what Appalachian Reckoning is. It's an uh, anti. It's not. I don't know if it's an anti book, but it's a you know because Liza, you read it, right? It's yeah. a response to the Hillary It's a response. Book. It's not. Right. It's 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 somewhat of a. I I honestly think that the pushback part is a kind of a inaccurate. It's it's yeah. just an additional additional perspectives. A a, a a rainbow of perspectives, right? They're, they and occasionally they agree people, with right? him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Because and I, you can see exactly why, right? Because why should a person who has quote unquote escaped the community be the one person to write the tell all about the community right that especially like the Asian Americans who- <laughs> that's exactly uh, what I was yeah, saying yeah, and, yeah we should we should definitely relate it back right but like why the <laughs> fuck should he like he ends up going to Yale I assume he gets a law job he ends up like being very close rubbing you know elbows with like uh, Peter Thiel is a venture capitalist like that is not the kind of stuff you'd expect from the Appalachian right mm-hmm. so they definitely had a negative negative feeling about him being the representative and wanting to put put their uh views in likewise mm-hmm. i think the people who wrote the reviews for this uh for this movie like felt kind of antagonized by the fact that he's a lot closer to them like you guys were saying right uh and, and push back on it but to, to to bring that back to what i thought of the movie all of that like knowing all of that coming into the movie actually made me kind of 
uh, respond more emotionally to it. Like I, I, you know, I don't cry a lot during movies, but I definitely was getting cheery and choked up oh, throughout really? a bunch of the scenes. Yeah, because I was like, Glenn I understand. Close in the car, I, right? Yeah, I understand what it means to be like poor and have family be important to you, but also push back on your family and have like toxicity kind of run through all that. And I also kind of understand what it what it kind of means that like um, you know people would see this movie and like it, it upset it actually kind of upset me that I knew that reviewers were didn't like the movie because it's it, it was like an unwillingness to empathize with poor people. Right, yeah, like the lower class, or yeah. who perceived to be the lower class, and that 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 part of it was what made me choke up. Not necessarily what was going on on screen. Oh, so it was like I, a like a meta narrative going on in your head. Yeah, it's like the fact that these fucking yellies that I'm writing for the Hollywood Reporter would write you know shit about this movie that tries to portray really a, like a family story was and and that yeah, they're the, the only ones who get to commentary not a narrative so the screenwriters created a narrative and they focused on one segment of his life mm-hmm. which is when he went to live with mama when his mom was trying to get over her drug addiction and that's the turning point in his life there's like they tried to make it as unpolitical as possible even though there's like little sprinklings of like al gore no it's just i think it like my reaction to the movie and why i, I kind of like had an emotional response to it and, and in the end liked it was because I, I like detest this idea that elites are the ones who get to tell their story, right? In oh, general, yeah, no, for sure, yeah. Right, um, and and yeah, like you said, there's a lot of there's a lot of links to Asian America because <laughs> we know the ones who like who are the ones who yeah. get, end up coming out again to write, you know, articles about our lives and our community yeah. in the New York. And Yorker. who are they always trying to get rid of? They're always trying to get rid of like the immigrant fob stories. Right, the fobs, you know, like the fobs are like the embarrassing ones. They have like socially conservative values that embarrass, like these, you know, they they embarrass like these Hollywood Asians. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who who don't know which fork to use at the fancy dinner setting, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'll give my thoughts on the movie. I don't think it was a good movie. Um, Yeah, I think fundamentally, like JD is not really much of a character. He's he's like when he's a kid, he's kind of really annoying. I didn't like the part where he's he's trying to, you know like not give his urine to his mom so she could keep her job and he and he gave her like a very bootstraps type of talk like well you should have known better and maybe this will teach you to straighten up yeah jd's A- the least sympathetic person in the whole movie right and yeah. adult jd is just kind of but a I mean, blank like, slate it's not, that, it's, it's not nearly as bad as they make it out to see no, and, and to that be. was what, what what i was gonna get to like i don't think this is a good movie I don't think this is a good movie at all, but what did piss me off was how a lot of these critics took a particular joy in uh, playing one-upmanship with each other on how how best we could trash this movie. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes, uh, it, it's not even about the movie. I'll, I'll read this uh, excerpt from uh, a review in, the Vult- in Vulture magazine, mm-hmm. uh, which says, okay, and I quote, but in elevating Vance, however sanitized, Howard, as in Ron Howard, the director, also elevates the nativist movement that influences his young hero, Glenn Close and Amy Adams have pinned their Oscar oh wait um, influences young hero period Glenn Close and Amy Adams have pinned their Oscar hopes to material penned by a right-wing commentator who keeps company with some of the most anti-democratic figures in the modern conservative movement and he um, pre-wrote that I guarantee that review was pre-written before he saw the right because you even yeah. if the movie was great that would have applied if, yeah, if your yeah. stance is that yeah they so, went into the movie determined to hate the movie right right and and the person that this reviewer is particularly focused on is, is a guy named rod dreher who whom the writer even describes as a blogger uh so because jd vance uh is too friendly with a right-wing blogger this movie and everyone associated with it must be punished which 
in the end, uh, sounds I ideological. I totally disagree with. Right, but see, it sounds ideological, but we talk about it a lot of times, but this is really just about hoarding the jobs, right? It's this like, is about media partisanship. Right, this is about... These uh, people not, don't care about rural white people or the white working no, class. No, definitely not. It is about proving you're a good Democrat by announcing how much you refuse to watch it or that you saw it and you hated it. I mean, it's not the best movie I've seen all year, not even close. And like, since the Oscars mean so little now and like they fucked up every award for decades, like there's a part of me that actually hopes this wins a bunch of awards, especially for acting. Wait, okay, so I gotta it's ask It's not this. close to the worst movie I've seen. Like uh, I've seen I, way worse. I, I gotta ask this, did you, did you like the movie, Eliza? Yeah, I did. I mean, did I didn't you, love it. I didn't love okay, it. Okay, okay. Let me ask you this question. I've seen did, worse. Did you feel like you might have liked the movie as a response to all these liberals, like these writers hating the movie? Mm-hmm, that's like a fair you, question. Like you I really you, wanted. You, I want. I went into it wanting to like it more than I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I felt like I felt that way too because I'm like, fuck. How could they like say all these things before? I was really <laughs> rooting for the movie to be much better, and a part of me was disappointed that it wasn't like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't. It wasn't on par with like Joker and Three Billboards, which they also trashed. And then I saw that I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> these movies are awesome. Yeah, as I was watching this movie, I, I kept comparing it to a movie like Goodwill Hunting, which shares a lot of the same DNA. It's about a poor white outsider who uh, doesn't quite fit in with the Ivy League crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but Goodwill Hunting, everybody loves Goodwill Hunting because it's so well made. You got like Will I love Hunting's, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Will yeah, Hunting so is a real character. Uh, there's some great scenes. Everyone loves the the Harvard Robin Bar Williams. scene. Robin, Robin Williams. Williams um, Stellan Skarsgård, who plays uh, Dr. Lambeau. So many good characters. And so I think there's a world in which Hillbilly Elegy could have been a very good movie. And I think that would have been very interesting because all these people who are predetermined to hate it would have had to begrudgingly uh, uh, realize that this is actually a good movie. Mm-hmm. But I thought of I, The I, Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, Pursuit of Happiness. I think, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of that movie. So, oh, uh, I didn't either. I, but I, I mean, I wasn't either. But like, it made me think of it because it's like, so Pursuit of Happiness is the Will Smith movie where he goes from being homeless to forming his own multi million dollar brokerage firm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that movie was pretty championed by the liberal set. And it's like, do you really think that the guy that that movie is based on has progressive values now? You're right. Yeah, because like the <laughs> whole uh, apex uh, of that movie is him getting to be a stockbroker, right? And then yeah. in Hillbilly Elegy, like the big prize at the end is is like a Yale. associate position Yale at, at a big then, DC law firm, which, yeah. I mean, as someone who went to law school, I'm like, this is not very interesting. But then I thought about uh, Goodwill Hunting. Doesn't Will essentially go work for like the defense industry? Isn't that like the, the big job he gets at the end? I don't quite, I don't quite remember. But the stakes don't have to be uh, galactic in order to make, make you care about a character. <laughs> and I think that's, that, that's one of the reasons I didn't really like hillbilly elegy it throws a lot of uh horrible stuff at you like the mom goes on like a like a murder suicide run with jd in one sequence where she she's like speeding and they're you know part of the problem with it i i read an article about the making of the movie and because the because the the book itself was so controversial and so divisive Mm -hmm. um the screenwriters really went out of their way to remove as much political content as they could and to not go too far in either direction. And I think that like, if they were allowed to just go ahead and just like, who gives a shit? Just, just go full on. Like, yeah, I was, I was really surprised there was no racism. I I thought there would be some like racist remarks coming from, uh, you know, the people in the hillbillies basically at some point. Right. But they didn't go into any of that stuff. 
not to say that that should happen, but like you think that they actually wanted to portray these people as like being backwards or whatever, that they would go down that route pretty quickly. I, I totally forgot that JD Vance is married to an Indian American woman. So I saw Frida Pinto there and like, oh my God, like Frida Pinto from, you know, Slumdog. I, f- I feel really <laughs> bad for her because she should have been way bigger after that. But I think the only real movie she's been in since was that horrible Woody Allen movie, You Will Meet a Tall Dark Stranger, where she played some. Yeah, she was in uh, um, Planet of the Apes with um, James Franco. Yeah, but she, she was in like a thankless bit role playing James Franco's girlfriend. And that's and like the only role she gets. she also did that movie with um, Riz Ahmed where they play a couple. A really, oh, I didn't see really that good, one. Good looking couple. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wish she became a bigger star because I, I loved her in Slumdog Millionaire, even though that, that movie has not aged well for me. But yeah, she just seems to show up every few years playing some, some white guy's wife or something. So. Yeah, yeah, it's like Zoe Saldana, right? Yeah, yeah. even though or, Zoe or Saldana has a better in, career. Yeah, or they cover up in like all sorts of makeup, so you don't even know it's Zoe Saldana. Film critics and book book critics are just like, when it comes to media partisanship. Sorry, I'm like I was thinking about this, but oh yeah, go ahead. Film critics and book critics—they are the worst when it comes to media partisanship. They are the most horrible people. Well, yeah, because this is all just. Uh, uh, jockeying for jobs like they don't they only want themselves and their clicks to to have access to all the the jobs because these jobs are scarce yet at the same time more and more people either are qualified or at least think they're qualified i mean just think about it you could spend like a few hundred bucks and and start your own youtube channel and it'll look way better than anything even like something that was professional like probably 20 30 years ago so uh, you know more and more people want uh to be heard and to be seen yet uh you know, you look at the state of like journalism and God knows what will happen to the entertainment industry, even when the, the vaccine for COVID is, is you know, developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to have more and more people competing for fewer and fewer spots. And this whole cancel culture thing, this whole, uh, you know, moral posturing is really just a way to elbow out all your opponents and enemies uh, so that you can control more of those seats. Let me understand this a bit better and maybe for the listeners too. You're saying that they are like, instead of writing a good review, they're just writing an appropriate review that would be publishable in today's cultural and, and uh, political climate. No, and it toes, it toes the line so that they don't get shunned by their colleagues so that oh, they right. can maintain yeah, their yeah, job yeah, yeah. position. Yeah. 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 They don't disagree with their colleagues. Mm-hmm. That's like, that is like, the number one sin that you and, can and that's commit. why you get the same sameness uh you know yes, in terms of reviews time. for for hillbilly elegy and the joker yeah. as we talked about last time and i guess three billboards i don't know what the reviews were like for that but everyone hated that character uh that that white guy jason who dixon redeemed at the end yeah they're well, all let's talk about, about three billboards then because uh we I, I, I have some i still have some stuff to say about hillbilly though all right sure okay let's stay on hillbilly uh for now then uh eliza any any more thoughts yeah yeah i was thinking like I hope that audiences just ignore the negative film reviews and just watch it for themselves. Like I guarantee that the average Netflix viewer doesn't have an idea of who JD Vance is and like all the liberal online outrage, you know, like I I really Mm -hmm. don't think that they are going to automatically assume that JD Vance is an actual person, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if it says like based on JD Vance's novel or anything at any point. Right, like as a family yeah. holiday movie, I honestly think it's fine. Like, there's no sex scene. There's no like, I don't know. There's like, there's no. I mean, there's a lot of f bombs all over the place. Sure, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, not, I mean, it's not a very complicated movie. It, it's not going no. to confuse you. It's easy to follow. Yeah. yeah, 
I would be a lot more willing to agree with a lot of these film critics because remember how one of the things they just really hated about the book and and the movie too is that it had a lot of that like pick yourself up by your bootstraps narrative mm-hmm. that you know that they has now associated with like MAGA, uh-huh. but like the same critics they completely condemned Joker and that movie was about the lack of government services that led to his demise. Right. So it's like, yeah. which one do you want? You're, well, you're it, mad it, I, when the, someone someone condemns the government, and then you're mad when somebody pushes like a bootstraps narrative. I mean, precisely. I think that just exposes this is not really about those issues. It's really exactly. about who's in your clique and who's not. So if you're out of the clique, no matter what you do, you're going to get scrutinized to all hell. Whereas if you're in their group, you'll get infinite chances, infinite grace, and that's the real bullshit, right? So when um, there's a couple scenes where you hear like Bill Clinton's voice or you see Al Gore on TV, like J.D. Vance seems to be like, a, um, he's a Clinton guy. Um, well, he's a, uh, he's a politics guy. He's like fascinated yeah. by politics all the time, right? yeah. which shows so, that he has some kind of burgeoning intelligence or something like that. Something I thought that was really interesting is that I learned that um, that whole personal responsibility narrative that like pushes individualism and has like, a deep distrust of anything remotely called the common good that all actually came from, from the Clintons. It came from like, it, it, it comes from an actual law, the, the personal responsibility act, which Shit, was, there was something called the personal responsibility what? act. Yes. There was a personal responsibility act that comes from like the late nineties. And it's actually before the movie takes place. The movie takes place in 97 and sometime around 1995, 96, um, Clinton pushed this law, which was about eliminating welfare as a right of citizenship. And it shifted all that national policy from like war on poverty. And it, the war on poverty basically became a war on the poor. So it's not a right wing mantra at all. That right, right, also, thing. Yeah, I it just was it written up. into it is neoliberal. Yeah, yeah, I just looked it up. It's the Personal Responsibility and Work Opportunity Act passed in 1996. This is, uh, yeah, um, this when. So this is what when people talk about Bill Clinton and welfare reform, this must be it. So, uh, you know, Clinton is now uh, infamously um, connected to the concept of welfare reform. So this must be the thing that put it into action. Yeah. like she, uh, uh, Hillary, you know, later on, she had the fucking nerve to call these people deplorables. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. After her, after her husband puts this law in. Yeah. 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 I mean, this whole law is about how individuals are, are to blame for their political, economic, um, social precarious, precariousness. It's yeah. its a shaming of character. That's all it is. And then here she comes along in 2016, like 10 years later, and she, and she calls them, no, 20 years later, and she calls them deplorables. Like that bothers me. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, th- that was the whole, like, the, you know, Democratic Leadership Council that came up with this new formula to win elections. Because like the Democrats... Like throughout the 80s, you look at people like Mondale and uh, who's the guy who lost Dukakis. They were they were seriously thinking they were never going to win another election. So you know, starting in the kind of the, I guess early 90s, this this was the new Democratic Party that was more pro business, more pro personal responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we can move on to three billboards after this. But if it, uh, Amy Adams and Glenn Close are about to get a lot of attention. Uh, in the months moving forward, leading up to the Oscars, negative attention, I, or what do you mean? 
Uh, it's, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, they'll probably get positive attention for their performance and negative attention for the movie, so a little bit of both. But I really want people to watch um, Nocturnal Animals for Amy Adams and then Fatal Attraction for Glenn Close because mm-hmm. they uglied themselves up so much for this movie that I want people to see them at their most beautiful. Right. <laughs> oh, Glenn Close also really striking in 101 Dalmatians as Cruella Deville. Of course. Great, why she, why role, did she not win the for Oscar her. for that one? Both <laughs> Amy Adams and Glenn Close are like the female versions of Leonardo DiCaprio's where they're just constantly snubbed for Oscars. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, Amy Adams especially. I read this article in Vulture again. This guy was like pleading the Academy, don't let this be the role that finally gets Amy Adams her Oscar. <laughs> just how childish can you get like... In the end, who remembers who won what for for the Oscars? No, you just remember that they are a Best Actress winner. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, will or people really actor, care you know? that you know Denzel Washington won for Training Day as opposed to you know Malcolm X or whatever Glory. other? Uh, yeah, although he he would have that would have been supporting actor for him, but in terms of Best Actor, but still, it's an Oscar, right? Best Supporting, Best Actor, it's still an acting award. It doesn't really matter which movie you won it for, except if, unless you're some like Oscar nut. Well, think about what about Anthony Hopkins in Sands of the Lambs? Like sometimes you're just attached to a movie forever, right? Yeah. I doubt anyone's gonna remember Hillbilly Elegy though in like a yeah. few months. Yeah. So if Amy Adams uh deserves an Oscar, just give no, it to like, her. Yeah, like every everything that was um delayed for next year, we're we're gonna have like an onslaught of movies, just so much mo- so many movies to watch next year in twenty twenty one. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about three billboards. Yeah, because uh, three billboards, um I think it raises the Good question of can a lot of these like liberal commentators can, can they do they have the capacity to like ever you know so called forgive Trump voters because I think that raises an interesting question because a lot of the controversy over three billboards which initially like everybody loved it won a lot of awards all the film festival people loved it then I think as it started becoming wider release there were some critics who started pointing out uh, the controversy long story short Sam Rockwell plays this very racist police officer who by the end kind of becomes kind of, a, kind of like an anti-hero, I guess. And people thought that his redemption was too easy if he re- reser- uh, deserved any redemption at all because it's mentioned that he's brutalized uh, black people yeah, that he I, arrested for wrong I remember wrong people reasons. saying like, oh, this is so unrealistic. And I'm like, since when do we want realism in our movies? Like, uh, si- like, when did that happen? When did that start to become a demand? Like, this would never happen. It would happen they, like this. Are they saying that someone with a moral character who would be a, like a racist, you know, corrupt cop would never actually do anything good as a cop? Yeah, probably. Is that mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, this sounds to me like they have no understanding of nuanced characters or like complex character development. Like, exactly. They need people who are very black and white, like good guy, bad guy, and if anything beyond that gives him a fucking hard time right yeah but my issue though is like the uh, jason who the sam rockwell character it's not like he he suddenly goes on to conversion becomes like like superman you know the crusader for the righteous or anything he's still like his whole motives are still very dark because i mean to not give away the ending he thinks he finds the killer of uh francis mcdormand's daughter turns out he didn't do it but it's heavily implied that while he was serving in iraq he uh, like raped and killed uh, some Iraqi mm-hmm. girl, mm-hmm. and they he and Francis McDormand decide to become vigilantes, go to this guy's place in Idaho, and kill him. Now they that, don't do it though. It's implied that they don't do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they do it at the end. But I mean, that doesn't exactly make him a shining beacon of justice either, because we don't really know what that guy was really talking about. Maybe he was just bullshitting for. I mean, the, the guy they think was the killer. So mm-hmm. as I say, he doesn't really 
become fully redeemed. He does change, though, which I think is an interesting character development. And I thought he just portrays as such a pathetic person. I mean, he's like, like everyone hates him, even on the police force. He lives with his mom who constantly bullies him. So he's like, this is not somebody you aspire to be. Or it's like, even when he turns better, it's like nobody, and he gets horribly burned too. So just like, yeah. It's like his baptism. Should we describe the movie? Because it's been a while since this movie came out 2017. We're going to link the movie. uh, We're going to link my review of Three Billboards in this week's show notes. But uh, if you like Coen Brothers movies, I think that you would like Three Billboards a lot. Like tonally, Mm -hmm. it's very similar. And then it's got a dark dark comedy comedy, thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the plot is uh, Frances McDormand's daughter was raped and murdered. And she's trying to find justice for her because her small town police uh, can't really do it because it's a hard case to solve. She rents three billboards leading into the town of Ebbing, Missouri, and yeah. um, they've got a controversial message that are directed at uh, the town's revered chief of police, William, who's played by Woody Harrelson, mm-hmm. and uh, the billboards read, raped while dying and still no arrests. How come, Chief Willoughby? Yeah. I think that's another pe- thing people had a problem with. Chief Willoughby is a, a pretty decent guy. Um, yeah. I mean, he he looks like a, a typical racist police officer, but <laughs> but he's not. Um, no, but he's not. He's actually fundamentally a decent person. Like, yeah, you could mm-hmm. say he should have reined in Jason more, but it's like given his environment, I, I think if you were like some woke guy, he does it would make say sense. something that's interesting to um, Francis McDormand when they're in the when they're in the inter- interrogation room when he brings her in. Remember, he was just like, "Don't give me that look." I mean, if I got rid of Every if you got rid of every single racist oh, yeah. cop, you'd have three left, and then they'd all hate the fags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of language in this movie. Also, they the say like, the n word. Yeah, yeah. they, they, they say that you know f word and and not fuck the other f word. And like you have to, I guess, if you put yourself in his shoes, like he's a police chief in a small hick town in Missouri, and it would have totally rank false if he were this woke bay of a, of a police officer <laughs> Woody played, by Chris Evans. Of all played by chris evans <laughs> but, but doesn't that doesn't that just tell you like what the what the critics like the people who wrote the critiques actually wanted to see as opposed to seeing this movie where you have like these, a fantasy like, land you mean yeah basically as opposed to this movie where maybe they try to predict uh, portray these people a little bit more realistically and then the minute if they film cut it, critics were, became filmmakers i swear to god films would be so bad well filmmakers are already making the movies that they want <laughs> They're just not, this is not three billboards, right? It's like the, the fucking Avengers and shit. No, I said film, if film critics made film, became filmmakers. No, I'm, but, but I'm, saying, saying I'm saying like. Filmmakers, there are some filmmakers who are basically like that already. Oh, just, I see. It's like some yeah. mind meld with, with film critics. But Ava those films DuVernay. usually suck though. They, do, they do suck, but they're being made and people are still paying money for them. Like the, yeah. the, part, the big problem with this whole like cancel culture thing and like, you know, piece, like PC uh, movies is that. People, there's still a market for it, right? As much as we want to impugn the people who are like writing these things and like, you know, write, you know, elevating these movies, people are still paying money for it. So society at large is still implicated in all these debates about whether or not these movies should be likable or not. I think it's a bubble though. I don't think, I think it's like a speculative bubble. Like if you ever, for example, listen to Champagne Sharks, they, they talk about it a lot, how a lot of these things that get, uh, that are adored by this class, whether it's something like a Lovecraft country or... Um, these like other uh, woke on Hulu, but I don't think woke was a hit anyway. But these get made, but nobody watches them, and I think they're 
they're, they're being financed by people who are probably like taking a loss because they think it makes them look good. But at, at a certain point, you got to start seeing returns because in the end, it's still a money-driven that's, that's business. What I'm, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So mm-hmm. you're, are you saying that, that like the people who should we should really blame for all this whole media culture is like, they're like the executive producers, basically? Yeah, because I don't think the people want this. They go and watch them to some extent. I mean, like, uh, uh, you know, people really pissed off about, say, The Last Jedi. People didn't go see uh, Birds of Prey. They didn't go see... Uh, the new Ghostbusters. I don't think anyone really wants to see all these like race bent history history movies, including a lot of minorities. Uh, so I think it's just people at the top trying to make themselves look good. And at a certain point, they're gonna be like, "Okay, we lost like five hundred million dollars yet again. Maybe we should stop doing this." We're, <laughs> or, we're all or, kind of getting or, poor. Or you make a controversial movie like The Joker, and you make a fuck ton of money, and then you see the light, <laughs> even though all the critics hate it. Right? Like that's the that's the other way forward. I mean, that's why I think they were so threatened by Joker and its success mm-hmm. that it showed them that, uh, yeah. The, they doubled the- down on this one because they were just like, we're going to make sure that there's no um, nuance, you know, that there's no like, uh, it can't be split down the middle 50-50 on the reviews. Mm-hmm. That's why they shoved it all the way down to 25%. What are you talking about? Hillbilly Elegy. Yes. Any of them. Maybe any yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> But I, said, I, th- I think with Hillbilly Elegy, unlike, say, Joker, I, I do think Hillbilly Elegy was a bad movie. Maybe not 25% bad, maybe like 40 to 50%. But it was more the, the gleeful pylon that was very revealing. Like You could just say, this is not a good movie, and this is why, objectively, let's move on. But sure. the, the, the showboating, the, 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 you know, the moral signaling that everyone had to do to be like, I hate this movie more than thou, you know, that, that bullshit. I mean, we got some time. We're actually a little under time. Any, anybody want to... Got any thoughts, stray thoughts that they, uh, that they yeah, have? I mean, I think that, I think that we're coming back to one of the questions that we asked early on in, in when we started doing this podcast is like, does art have a responsibility to be a moral medium? You know, like uh, I, I just, I, um, I'm increasingly thinking no. Yeah, that's, I don't think so. I, I, where else can you explore like your really like your your deep dark like thoughts or like things that are taboo? I think that fiction and like movies or like like uh, fiction novels. I think that that's the best place to explore. You don't want people doing this shit in real life, so you just give them some sort of outlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like moral art, I think is rarely interesting. I think if it if it comes about naturally, then I think um, you know as the creator is wrestling with these questions him or herself i think it becomes very interesting i mean that's basically what a lot of dostoevsky is but if you start with saying i want to send this message i'm going to craft everything around it you know what's called that's the fable and that's for little kids uh <laughs> and it doesn't make for particularly complex or interesting art mm-hmm. yeah but with uh with three billboards uh maybe with hillbilly elegy too i kind of wonder like these critics who were really upset didn't like the movie were they upset because maybe the movie made them feel a little bit bad for the quote unquote bad guy and they just didn't want to deal with it? Like maybe they actually like felt bad for the Sam Rockwell, like Jason Dixon character. And they're like, shit, they got me. Fuck, I should probably like, you know, write a, write a shitty review about this because it, 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 it made them kind of wrestle with their own like belief that people from the South are all racist shitheads who are completely irredeemable. But the minute someone's redeemed, they're like, oh my God, like I have to deal with these feelings now. No, yeah, I think that's legit. I think they some people are just very vindictive. And I mean, like uh, with, with Thanksgiving kind of canceled uh, prayers <laughs> for all the freelance writers who will not get to write pieces this year about visiting their despicable families 
in in Idaho. And how they heroically and, called them out for their yeah their anti blackness or yeah. Whatever. So pour one out for those folks. How they make fun of their pronouns or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, uh, your but, your eighty nine year old <laughs> grandmother doesn't understand your pronouns. So like, yeah. let's write a whole thing piece on it. Now, I was thinking that like books and movies they can reflect pockets of society and. Um, aspects of individual characters but they don't have to completely moralize them like not every story has to be socially corrective it can just it can just show yeah and i think often that is actually the more interesting thing because much more interesting yeah mm-hmm. I mean, just show it you don't have to fix it's it more, it's probably more reflective of reality too right like mm-hmm. a lot of the things that movies explore are are themes that like they can't really be solved anyway you know, like like personal grievances in movies and the, the, like the re, like character studies where someone's got like a grudge against someone. It's like it can't really be solved. Yeah, I mean, th- th- I think there are just very few answers, objectively speaking. So any yeah. book or movie or, or show that purports to have it is obviously full of shit because I don't think those answers even exist. So at best, you, you can uh, you can just create something very interesting by by asking probing questions. Um, but Philip, what you were saying about, you know, sympathizing with these people, I, th- I think that's the grand question, especially something around like three billboards, which was very well done. Um, but I think people got a little too uncomfortable that they were made to feel. Did you guys watch it for the first time over the weekend? I did nope. for the first time. No, I watched it way back. Yeah. So someone with like the Jason characters, like, oh shit, are, I, I don't. I saw people saying something like he didn't deserve it because he didn't put it into work. But then I'm thinking, well, what would that work consist of? And I think based on what we saw this summer, a lot of it is just like performative, abject kneeling before them, whether it's like the white people washing their feet. I think there's this vindictive strain where like, I want to see you humiliated. I want to see you prostrate yeah. yourself before me. I'm like, what? what is that? That's like, you know, as much as I don't like, you know, Trump voters, like that, that just seems very childish. And... To, to now say that a movie can't make you feel sympathy for, for these people when, as I said, Jason's character is just really pathetic anyway. Even when he is like the power-tripping racist, he's just so pathetic. He's also pretty funny, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, as, as you know, those t- characters often are because they, they, they like say things that... Doofus in a doofus way, yeah. Yeah, they say things that we, we certainly don't hear in our everyday lives. Oh, just a couple of uh, random thoughts I had uh, on the intro topics that I wanted to discuss. So Obama talking about, his, you know, his college days. I was perplexed as to why he would include that because he must have known that he would get blowback for it. I think his goal is to tell a lot he of He also these... knows that he's got a ton of people that are going to defend him. True. But I think his main goal... I mean, goal... he is like, he is like a messianic figure. Yeah. And he knows it. He milks but I, I th- it. But I think his main goal was a message to this like burgeoning, more radical... Uh, young people who are more leftist, basically telling them, yeah, you think you know, uh, you think you like reading uh, Marcuse or Marx and all that, but really, <laughs> you like me, you're just trying to get laid, all right? So like me, you will grow out of it and, you know, become a democratic uh Do so you think that he was trying to um, bait the left? No, he, he was trying to uh, be condescending to them that mm-hmm. all this radicalism that, y- so that's you what that have. Was. So I think that that's my theory. Yeah, okay. I, feel I can like see that. Yeah. I, I feel like you're reading into a little bit. At the same time, I, I can see that too, because they're, they're precisely the types that he wouldn't like. He's smug. Yeah. They're precisely the types that criticize him. They're precisely the types that keep reminding people that he's the whatever, like the uh, deporter in chief and shit. Right. So no, he's mm-hmm. always hated the left more than the right. You could tell that even when he was president. 
And I think mm-hmm. it's because um, I don't think he really respects like the Trump voters. He knows he's above them. But when when, it, mm-hmm. when the criticism comes to from his left, it really does sting. Like they like they do all these people who've it strikes closer to home. He knows that mm-hmm. when he was younger, he was probably more like them. Uh, but he's had to compromise a lot of his How beliefs. is he more like a Trump voter? He's a rich kid. No, no, I, I'm talking about the the young radical types. He knows he's uh, sacrificed certain things and he wants to, it would be reassuring for him if those young people today grew up to be like him because then it would show he didn't make any mistakes along the way. So mm, I see. Yeah. Like you, you had to kind of like uh, compromise. He would call basically. it pragmatism. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it'll happen to you, kind of warning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um. Any any last thoughts before we? It's it's you know the eve before Thanksgiving. At least we'll have hopefully a a nice day for everyone. Mhm. Yeah, I'm just gonna probably just sit around and just watch movies with the kids, eat mm-hmm. a bunch of food. Well, Thanksgiving is like one of the biggest movie days of the year, right? Because like all the parents uh, have to take their kids out to do something. But obviously this year, no such thing. We always stay home. Usually we stayed home. I honestly think that um, we're going to watch, you know, I've never seen A Hidden Life, the Terrence Malick movie from last year. Oh, right, right. I I always wanted to see it on theaters, but I never Mm -hmm. never got to. It's actually on HBO Max right now. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll check that and out. And then we still haven't seen Bad Boys for Life. So I think we're doing those oh, two tomorrow. That sounds it's fun. queued up already. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was funny in, in A Hidden Life, the main character is played by the Nazi from Inglorious Bastards, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, hey, ni- it's, nice. It's the guy, you're talking about the guy in the bar who calls out. Yeah, the, out, the scary um, guy, the, 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 like the spy hunter guy who like he, sniffs uh, out. Um, he, he sniffs out Michael, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender because yeah. of <laughs> the way he held up his fingers to yeah, make it three. Yeah, that scary dude. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. he's now on the opposite That's side. That's like <laughs> my favorite scene from Inglorious. Yeah, yeah. I just ordered um, a Quentin Tarantino box set for myself. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, which one? Mm-hmm. Like all of them? <laughs> Uh, it has all of them except for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I see. So it yeah. goes all the way like um, True Romance and Reservoir Dogs all the way up. Um, I Sweet. think it even has Death Proof. Like <laughs> nice. stuff that he's kind of like lo- a little bit less involved with. It's not from like, um, it's not like an official box set. It's from like Depop where somebody just kind of curates a Quentin Tarantino like DVD box set for you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I got that one. I'm just going to, it's probably, probably won't arrive for like another week or two. Oh, that should be enjoyable. All right. I got to go uh, rub my pork butt, which is <laughs> not what How it many sounds pounds? like. How many pounds is uh, it? Eight and a half pounds. Wow. Big butt. Yeah. How many people are you feeding? Well, it was the smallest size they had at the, at the supermarket. <laughs> I wanted to go to this What is local it, like $200? No, no, it was very cheap. I, I tried to go to this like local butcher, which was reasonable, but they didn't have anything. Uh, they were all out, and you had to pre-order, which I forgot to do. Mm-hmm. So I just went to my local grocery store. It's just like a dollar a pound, so it's it was it's really cheap. Why do? Why was I expecting it to be so much more expensive? Well, if, if you go to a fancy butcher or like Whole Foods, I stopped by Whole Foods on the way, and I saw the price. Like, oh no, you know, not How this year. How much is it at Whole Foods? Uh, the equivalent would have been. Let's see, it was like. Eight dollars a pound. Eight so, times more. Holy shit! Yeah. Wow. So it would have been like over seventy bucks for this. Goddamn. Okay. All right. So All right. good night, everyone. Uh, f- nice chat, and hope everyone has a nice Thanksgiving. Or if you don't celebrate it, uh, nice have day. Have a nice then. long holiday. Yeah. 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 Be safe. All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.